I'll give a little bit. I'll give a little bit of my life for you. So give a little bit. Oh, give a little bit of your time to me. See the man with the lonely eyes. Oh, take his hand. You'll be surprised. That's from the 1977 song, Give a Little Bit by the band Supertramp. From the album, Even the Quietest Moments. Joe, how you doing today? Not bad, Sean. Long week, a little tired, but it is Friday, so I guess I'm all right, brother. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, yeah, long week. I work on Saturdays, so everyone's all pumped up usually on Fridays. Like, oh, I'm ready for the weekend. Let's go. And then I know I have to work on Saturday. Um, but, you know, I know, like, you know, I'm off on Sunday. And Sunday's going to be cool because the Cowboys are playing Argentina versus France and the World Cup finals is on. Um, I always like, you know, I always like the light at the end of the tunnel. I like to look, uh, look what's positive after some stressful times. And yeah, it was a, it was a stressful work week. Um, today was long, um, went to the gym before work instead of going after, so we can record the show tonight. Um, but I still have energy. I'm ready to do the show. I'm excited for it. Um, Joe, you there? That makes two of us. Okay, there's a little, little delay there. I was nervous for a Ooh, second. Did you ask me a question? <laughs> you know. yeah, it was like, you know. Um, so what is that? What do those lyrics mean to you, man? You know, when I was a kid and I first heard as a teenager and I first heard it, I didn't give it much thought and I'll give it a little bit. And I thought he was talking about like a relationship he was in. I give a li- little bit, you give a little bit. But uh, as I get older, I-, I see some altruism in these lyrics. You know, I'll give a little bit. I'll give a little bit of my life for you. Right. So give a little bit. Oh, give a little bit of your time to me. And then when he gets into the this part, see the man with the lonely eyes. Oh, take his hand. You'll be surprised. It's altruism to me. And especially at this time of year, you know, this time of year, um, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever, the holidays, it evokes a lot of emotion. And we're always talking about giving and so forth and so on. And specifically, it hit me. It hit me that, uh, especially, uh, give a little bit of your time to me. Volunteering. Folks, if you can volunteer somewhere, a soup kitchen or whatever it may be, if it's an hour a week, give a little bit of your time to me. And the last part, see the man with the lonely eyes. Take his hand. That doesn't necessarily go up and grab him by the hand. See the man that looks lonely. See the, see the person that looks lonely. See the person that looks like an outcast and go to them. Even if you say two words to them and they look at you and they're so, they're so surprised that you're even acknowledging them. There are people that have that, that people who are in that situation and feel that lonely. See the man with the lonely eyes. Oh, take his hand. Be kind to him. Right. And you'll be surprised what it can do. So that, that it just hit me. It just hit me hard, especially this time of year. It's true. Um, Cause you know, me and you, we like to alternate episodes of who chooses the lyrics. Uh, I chose last episode as one Republic someday tonight is obviously super tramp. Um, not everyone might know this band. Um, they were founded in 1969. They're an English band. Uh, They're very successful, uh, especially in the seventies. Um, and I know this song very well. And I didn't even have this song on my, I have a master playlist on Spotify with like all the songs that like I want on my master playlist that, you know, 
that I have downloaded and I can listen to, even though I have no internet connection. And I love this song, but it wasn't even on my master playlist. And I'm like, man, um, it's just an awesome song. It's like, you know, I was, I was kind of mad at myself for not having it on the master playlist, even though I know it, it had been on my, you know, my iPod previously, but you know, when I transitioned to Spotify around like 2012 ish, um, I guess I just never added it, but we're focusing on the lyrics and the lyrics of this song are beautiful. Um, they are. It's one of those things. It's, you know, take his hand. You'll be surprised. Don't, you don't have to literally take his hand and grab Ex- his hand. Exactly. Um, just, just kind of reach out, say, hi, how you doing? Say something funny, make a joke, um, see what they're thinking. And, you know, there's a lot of times you could tell if people are feeling lonely. I mean, dogs have the sixth sense. Dogs know when, when their owners or people around them are like kind of lonely and dogs gravitate towards them when they sense the, you know, the dog, they need some love. Um, and humans can do the same thing. We can all read body language and read emotions and see what's going on. And um, there's people walking in this world who are so lonely and going through their own silent struggles and they don't share with anybody else. Um, and we all should have a sixth sense for, for recognizing when someone's in the time of need. It'd be a better world if we all, you know, use that, hone those senses and really sharpen those senses. Um, I love this lyric. Um, you know, the, people might think this song is just a love song. Um, you know, meeting someone halfway and giving a little bit to somebody and then them reciprocating. Like an amorous relationship. That's the way when I was a kid of 14, that's when I 15 is, is the way I took it. And that's all I was thinking of back then. And I look at it now and I, I was just thinking of it the other day. I don't even know what, why it hit me or whatever. It, that's the funny thing, too. I didn't hear it recently or anything. It just kind of popped into my head. Maybe it was your lyric last week that maybe spurred it. I don't know. But I went back and revisited because I forgot the lyrics. I knew it was something to do with this. Yeah. And that, that last one hit me across the face that, oh, take his hand. Obviously, like we had already said, you and I both said twice, it doesn't mean literally take his hand. It means, oh, see the man with the lonely eyes. See that person that looks like they need a little something, go up and say something kind to them, which is tantamount to taking their hand, right? And you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. And I think he's indicating you'll be surprised at what a big difference something as little as saying hello or how are you or something like that can do. The smallest, kindest gestures make can really turn someone's like it turn their day around could turn their, you know, whatever mood they're in at that current moment, but it also could turn their life around. Yes. You never know where they are in life. Um, and just, you know, being kind to people. Cause if you're kind to everybody, you're, you could almost bat, not going to bat a thousand, but if you're kind to everybody and you're, you're putting out positive energy into the world, you don't have dark energy. You're not negative all the time. You're not making f- people feel bad about themselves. Second guessing themselves, walking away from conversations saying, what the hell does happen? And they walk away with a good feeling because life's about how you make people feel. We remember how we, how we feel, how people make us feel. Um, so if we know it's all about how people make us feel, how you feel, why can't we make others feel good? Um, so I'm glad you chose these lyrics, Joe. Thank you. I'm glad you're glad. Um, so tonight we are going to uh, continue the theme of spotlighting an actor. Uh, tonight is Lawrence Fishburne. Um, Joe, I'll let you have the floor to talk a little bit, a little bit about Lawrence. Sure. Uh, you know, we like to do this. We, we enjoy doing this and we go from, it's like a ritual with us. We go from a lyric to, uh, a top five actor, actress, whatever. Uh, and I was just trying to think of somebody to, as I told you, and you know me, 
I'm going to save Robert De Niro for, I may have to, I may have to do a top seven for Rob. You know what I mean? Cause he is the Holy grail. But anyway, um, I wanted to, f- uh, look at a, an actor, uh, certainly not a B actor, uh, but uh, an actor that, um, a lot of people forget about who's really, really, really talented, Lawrence Fishburne. And I have a top five. Um, and I'm just going to get right into it. Uh, in about 1990, there was a movie, a Spike Lee joint, as they as Spike Lee calls his movies, a yep. Spike Lee joint. Um, it was called School Days, D-A-Z-E, School Days. And it was really interesting. It was uh, political, sort of, and we're not going to get into politics here. That's not what we do. But uh, it was it was really it was a really good movie. And. Uh, I enjoyed it. And that's the fifth one. Okay. And that was uh, school days. Number four is Tuskegee Airmen. And for those who don't know the story of the Tuskegee Airmen, um, it's, it's, you can look it up. It's interesting. And he played a young pilot uh, during that time. And I liked his work in there. Number three, number three is going to catch a lot of people. And they're going to say, what, what movie? Number three is one of the, I'm I'm telling you, it was the most, one of the most thrilling, I'm telling you, it was one of the most thrilling, suspenseful, creative movies I've ever seen. And it was circa 1995. The movie was called Just Cause. And Fishburne was in this movie. Ed Harris, who's, I'll, I'll cover him one day. Ed Harris is one of our best actors in the last quarter century. Uh, and uh, Sean Connery was in this movie. It's called Just Cause. And it was, everything about it was just really creative. And you'll never forget it if you watch this movie. Um, Fishburne is excellent in it. Um, Ed Harris was scary good in it. It was unbelievable. And Connery is always Connery. Um, so, but Just Cause would be three. Um, he plays a sheriff down in, it's down in, down in Florida, down in the, in the uh, Everglades, that kind of a thing. It's just, just the 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 um, environment itself was intrinsically scary. The Everglades, and you got alligators and snakes, and you got all kind of weird stuff down there. But that that movie was tremendous, folks. If you haven't seen it, look it up and give it a shot because it's going to take you on a ride and it's going to shock you at the end. I'm telling you, you'll never see it coming. Um, number two, um, Boys in the Hood. He played uh, Trey's father in Boys in the Hood, and um, he was as cool as the other side of the pillow in that movie. Um, He was vintage Fishburne. Number one, my number one, is a movie called Higher Learning. He plays a college professor. In this movie, there are racial tensions that are tremendous in this movie, and uh omar epps is a student in college his profession you know one of his professors is fishburn and he speaks kind of like this he says mr williams he just has this kind of a voice it's really really neat movie michael rapaport is in this movie he's um like i said they're racial tensions so michael rapaport plays the part of a uh, yeah that joker was uh you know he was part of like a I don't know, a, a pseudo supremacist type of group or whatever in the movie. Um, Buster Rhymes has a, even has a, a role in this movie. So it's called Higher Learning. Fishburne 
was unbelievable in this. And he makes the quintessential um, college professor. <laughs> he was he was just great in it. So, again, I'll run it down to you. Five was school days. Four, Tuskegee Airmen. Three, Just Cause. And I'm going to tell you that one. I, I went back and forth of whether that was number one. Boys in the Hood is classic. And number one was higher learning. That's cool, it. Um, I actually have to check out a couple of those movies. I feel like I've, I consider myself a film buff and a, a movie connoisseur. And some of these movies have escaped me. Um, I feel like I might have seen parts of all of them. I know I've seen Boys in the Hood. Um, but the rest of those, I really have to check out again and study them closely. Um, all I know, Fishburne, um, he's always kind of been an under-the-radar actor. Yes. Uh, not necessarily the star of every movie. Um, yes, he's got a big part in The Matrix. Um, but, you know, he, he has an interesting career. He wasn't like a classically trained actor. Um, you know, he never studied or trained the technique of acting, at least when he started acting as a child. He was cast in a soap opera. Um but most recently, what stands out to me about Fishburne is I watched a show on NBC around 2012 called Hannibal. It was based off the movie Hannibal. It was a TV series. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a pretty, pretty well-written show and well-made. It felt like a movie every episode. Um, and he, he was in that. Um, I believe he played like a cop in that. Um, but when I think of Fishburne, the movies that I think of are John Wick the John Wicks franchise, because that's an amazing franchise with Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're going to say Matrix. I haven't seen either one of those. I, no, actually, I don't, because I'm not a big Matrix guy. I never, I'm not I either. To, I, I just have to watch, I have to go back and like watch all the Matrix. I've never seen all the Matrix movies. Matrix movies. Um, no, I can you even say that Matrix is. That stuff it's gets too wacky for me. It's just, but you know. It's like, you know, it's like yeah. uh, people like love that. And I understand it's like a really unique and well-made and technological type thriller type movie and futuristic, but um, I don't even include that on my top five. You know, I don't have the top five for Fishburne because he's, you know, this is your guy tonight, but right, right. he was in another movie called 21, which I loved. Um, it was about like people who like really smart people who like figured out how to cheat and like blackjack. Um, that movie was awesome. And searching for Bobby Fisher. Uh, I haven't seen that in a long time, but he was in searching for Bobby Fisher about the famous chess player. Um, so his body of work is pretty, uh, um, not necessarily like like you just named your top five and like a lot of these movies are like you know they had i can't even remember most of these movies i I know a lot of them were in the 90s i was born in 1986 but you know i hold myself up to a high standard because i've seen a lot of the old pictures i've seen a lot of old movies and films you know black and white films silent movies all the classics um i took a film class in high school and we studied some of these classic movies but um, well, in talking about classics, and I know he wasn't maybe classically trained or whatever, but, but I do know I haven't seen it. Um, uh, maybe I should see it, uh, and I should be a, a little a uh, little better read than I am. But I'm not as familiar with Shakespeare as I should be. But he just did. If I saw somewhere that he did Othello, um, a play, Othello. I mean, so yeah, yeah. I yeah he's he done, did he's done, that. He's done some theater. He's done I, a lot I, I, of stuff. He's been around a long time. This cat has been around for a long, long time. And yeah. you know what? You hit the nail on the head earlier when you said, and we're not going for the home runs every time, the obvious ones. We're trying to pay homage to the guys that they're certainly not B actors, but they're A actors that just hide behind, you know, they get shadowed sometimes. But Lawrence Fishburne is, you know, he is, you know, well versed. And what, um, 
I don't want to put you on the spot, but like, what about his acting? Obviously, we always talk about like how the actors want them to be believable. And sure. Well, um, it, you know what, what? what characteristic really stands out to you in his acting? What, there are a couple. You know, it, 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 it's with any actor. The first thing I really look at is range. Or they can only they only do one thing or whatever. Yeah. Now I didn't mention in here there there's something he did. He played the role of a character named his name was Socrates. He was he was a fellow that just got uh just did a jail sentence and he just got out and he's living in the inner city and he's just going through the, the trials and tribulations of an of a normal guy. It was called and, and it shows you what, what what they're up against, what guys are up against, especially African American guys are up against when if, if, especially if they get in trouble with this or that and they, and and they're they're on the way back and the the, the arduous time they have to try to reestablish um but it showed you his character socrates in the inner city and it showed you him in that role and he was he was a rough ass for lack of a better term um but it shows you that and you can juxtapose that to the college professor i mentioned uh in higher learning and how clean how clean and articulate and smooth and he just had this 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 accents like Mr. Williams, Mr. Williams, would you like a peppermint? You know, he's just very, and it was just such a, but he, he had the glasses and he was just clean as a whistle. And you juxtapose that, like I said, to, to a guy like Socko, Socrates in, um, in always outnumbered, something like that. He's very versatile. Um, and I just thought that, uh, he always had like this presence about him too. And he was really cool in Boys in the Hood. I mean, you know, he was he was really cool there. But I, we've seen him it, for the last couple of decades. We've seen him in a lot of stuff. So uh, versatility is like one of the major things I look for. Longevity is another thing that I look for. And really, um, you know, the, these folks don't get offered roles um, unless they're really good, you know, you don't get to do that many films if you're not really good. And, um, that's all I just like. So longevity, uh, you know, versatility, things like that. And he's been in things that I like too. I guess that too, but you talk to anybody in, in, in the industry about this cat and they're going to have nothing but good things to say. Yeah, I agree. He's underrated and he's, uh, not everyone really appreciates him as an actor cause just because he's not like considered like this A-list superstar. That's why we do what we do. The shuffle, you know? That's why we're doing this. <laughs> you know, of course, we're going to mention the A actors and so forth and so on and yeah, the, the I mean, Giants. We're going to do many, many episodes. So we're going to save some of these, you know, ginormous yeah. mega stars. You know, we're going to slowly um, include one of them in each episode here and there. But we're really going to. We want to spotlight actors who deserve it too. Who yeah, I, and I mentioned football. a guy. I mentioned a guy a little while ago in that movie Just Cause with Fishburne was a guy named Ed Harris. And Ed Harris is, I'm telling you, he's been in, you don't realize it, but he's been, and I'm going to, I'll, I'll highlight him one night. But before you move on to the next section, Sean, could I mention something? Yes. I wanted to mention because. We were talking about the lyrics in the last, you know, you see a man with the lonely eyes, take his hand. You'll be surprised uh, if you're even unsure about somebody and you're, and you're, you, you look at them, um, you know, error on the side, you know, uh, uh, error, you know, go up and say something, whether you think they need it or not. If you, even if you're not sure, 
right? Err on the side of caution. So, so go up if you're not sure about somebody, just go up and say, Hey, you, how you doing? You okay? Or something like that. Um, the reason I do that is, um, you know, I've worked in mental health for a long, long time. Half my, um, adult career has been in mental health. And I just noticed the other day too, there was a fella and I can't tell you, I knew who he was that well, but, um, he was famous. He, he worked with Ellen DeGeneres on, on the show. He was a DJ or something. Seemed like a hell of a nice guy for all the clips that I've seen. Yeah, his name's but Twitch, right? Twitch, Stephen Twitch boss on December 13th, the other day at age 40, he took his own life. And I just wanted to say, um, if anyone is out there and, and they're not feeling right, please, please, please talk to somebody about it. And if there's no one to talk about it, there's no one around to talk about it with. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, the number is 800-273-8255. I'll say it again, 800-273-8255. If there's no one around to talk to, please pick up the phone. It can make all the difference in the world. That's it. Time's yours. Thanks Thanks for uh, sharing that, Joe. Uh, Anyone listening, uh, absolutely. um, We're here for you. Uh, Hopefully we can entertain you. and. Um, we're doing what we can as entertainers and as hosts here. Um, but yeah, Joe's words are serious and, um, for sure, for sure. Absolutely. Um, thanks for mentioning that Joe. No problem. Uh, So a couple episodes, me and a couple episodes ago, me and Joe, um, or is it Joe and I, is it me and Joe or Joe and I, I don't know. Well, uh, (laughs) if I weren't here, you would say I, so will we Joe and I, So Joe and I, mentioned that we're going to highlight um all sorts of holidays not just christmas um we you know we accept all religions and their beliefs are that you know people believe in what they believe and they're raised a certain way and um and we're not discriminating against any religion so tonight we're going to talk about hanukkah for a little bit um hanukkah actually is not um the most important jewish holiday believe it or not it's kind of just a, it's a celebration. Um, it's a Jewish festival and it commemorates the recovery of Jerusalem and the dedication, rededication of the second temple. Um, and basically uh, more than 2000 years ago, uh, the Syrian King Antiochus ordered the Jewish people to abandon the Torah and publicly worship the Greek gods. Um, it provoked a rebellion uh, led by Judas Maccabeus. Um, and basically it ended up with Jewish people it took three years. They retook the temple in Jerusalem. Um, so there's an eight day celebration. Uh, the rebels were called the Maccabees. Uh, they cleansed and rededicated the temple. Um, but there's some, you know, there's some interesting things and in customs. Um, I didn't just want to do a thing where I'm like reading like Wikipedia and looking up all these facts um, so I've known some Jewish people over the course of my life. I have friends who are Jewish. Uh, so I reached out to some of them and asked them for some of them, tra- some of their traditions. And one of my friends, um, he was raised, uh, basically in both faiths, um, Jewish and, and Catholic, and they celebrate Christmas and Hanukkah. And now he has, he has two children of his own. Um, and he said what they do, um, cause you know, around Christmas, a lot of, a lot of the Jewish people, you know, this is how the gift giving started. Cause they got, they didn't, you know, everyone's celebrating Christmas, you see all the trees, you see all the lights and you kind of, 
you know, think that, you know, what are, what's our holiday? Why doesn't everyone care about Hanukkah as much as Christmas? And so they started doing like a gift every day for the eight days. Cause there's a menorah and it's, it's basically the menorah is lit because um, they only had oil, a spoonful of oil uh, when they reclaimed the temple. It was only supposed to last one night, but it lasted eight nights. Um, so there's, you know, there's eight, can- there's, there's nine candles on the menorah, but one of the candles lights the eight others and it lasts eight nights. Um, and what my friend said, he said, um, he gives his kids uh, basically one big gift, but split up in eight parts. And then they get a, one of those little gifts each night, but they also get Christmas gifts on Christmas. So just just give you an idea of what some families do who are multi-faith and um, celebrate both holidays. Um, but then there's all sorts of cool things. Like they eat a lot of fried foods, like potato pancakes, which I love. Oh yeah. Um, and the reason they fried in oil is because of the oil. Um, the whole thing with the oil, they only had a certain amount of oil um, when they got the temple back. Um, then they play with a dreidel because apparently like they weren't allowed to play with toys. So they started playing with like a dreidel to keep themselves entertained. And I apologize if I'm getting any of these um, things wrong. Cause I, I had to brush up on all this myself. Cause I, I went to Catholic school growing up and we learned all about Hanukkah. You know, we even had like uh, pretend satyrs. They, there's something else they have where they eat called satyrs. So we had a satyr um, when I was in Catholic school, we did that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, basically the Greeks destroyed everything, but a small uh, spoon worth of oil. And there was only oil for one day, like I said. Um, and, you know, they made it last eight days, eight nights. And, it's cool. Like it's, it's a festival, it's a celebration, but it's not the most important Jewish holiday. Um, but it happens to be around the time of Christmas and everyone, you know, everyone knows what Hanukkah is and they see the menorahs and it doesn't get as much spotlight as the Christmas tree and Christmas. And the fact that they say it's Jesus's birthday and on December 25th, even though I don't think that's his real birthday, but you know, Hanukkah, Hanukkah is a special, uh, special holiday for Jewish people. It's, it's a celebration. And, um, you know, it, I think it's, I think it's unique. And I think it's cool that there's, there's like eight nights to celebrate and not every family is giving their kids like extravagant gifts every night, but they're just, you know, some families give them, give their kids uh, what they can afford and, you know, just to commemorate each day, but then, you know, but um, Joe, do you have any thoughts on Hanukkah? You know, um, What's the, one of the first things that comes to mind? Is it the Adam Sandler Hanukkah song? You know, I'm going to tell you something about that song. <clears throat> the words are funny. <clears throat> the words are funny. And I really like the music, too. I, I think it's got a nice little melody. So <clears throat> it's twofold. I really, I really do like that. Um, I just made some notes here about, about Hanukkah because, um, I mean, I knew a little bit about it. I, was in, I sold the clothes in the retail I was in the clothing retail for quite a bit and quite a the, not quite a bit of the fellows with whom I worked were of the Jewish descent. We were, I had some Italian fellows there too and some Irish fellows there too. I'm not, let's not, you know, I'm not stereotyping or anything like that. But in that industry, I had the privilege of meeting a lot of fellows who were uh, Jewish Americans. And I, 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 t- I spoke with them and, you know, I found out more and more about them is that we have more in common, like everybody else. Like any other group that you meet, we have more in common than we have have differences. But I just um, 
you know, a lot of the fellows with whom I, I, I palled around with too, they, they were Jewish, but they weren't terribly religious as like, you know, you and I are Catholic, but we're not, we don't follow every rule and every, we may, we may not even remember all the rules to the Catholic church. It's similar to them, but you know, as far as, as far as Hanukkah is concerned, I wanted to refresh my memory and I just jotted a few things down. You touched on a couple of things. I mean, in 168 BC, uh, the Syrian king, he sent his soldiers to Jerusalem at the time. Uh, the Syrians desecrated the temple, as you, as you, uh, said earlier. Uh, the holiest place for the Jews at that time was the temple, and the Syrians came in and, and desecrated it. Uh, the Syrian king not only desecrated the temple, but he abolished Judaism at that time. Altars and idols were set up to worship the Greek gods, right? Yep. And he offered the Jews at that time two options. Conversion or death. So the Jewish citizens rebelled. They said, we're not going to have this. They rebelled against the Syrians and, and beat them against overwhelming odds. So, uh, the Jewish people, as they were trying to reenter the temple, uh, and they tried to, began to reclaim the temple, uh, they lit a lamp. Uh, there's a special name for it, which escapes me at the time, but they lit a lamp that had significance to them. Um, and it needed oil to burn. Uh, they found one small jar, jar of oil, which was only supposed to last a day. But as you elocuted, uh, it lasted eight days. And they considered that to be a miracle. Yeah. And, and thus, the menorah has eight candles. Well, it has, has nine because one, one of them is used to, to light the other eight. Exactly. The one of them is used to light the other eight. But the eight, the significance of the eight is um, the, the yeah, eight and, days. And the, the name Hanukkah actually derives from a Hebrew word. Uh, I can't read uh, Hebrew. Dedication. It means dedication. It means, it means to, yeah, but but you know, but it's it's Hebrew word. I can't read it, but it means to dedicate. Um, yeah, I mean, they rededicated the temple. It's it's quite a story, you know, to overcome such odds. It get, is get your holy place back, get your temple back, and uh, rededicate it, and now it lives on. And, and it's not even one of the the most religious um, holidays for Jewish people because their holidays really are Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Passover, um, and it's really just um, well known because it, it's right around the time of Christmas. But um, right, and I wanted to, what I wanted to add there too is that it was it was early on in this century when what was happening was the Jewish kid, and I don't mind this at all. I think it's great. Uh, what the Jew- Jewish people did here. Um, their kids were feeling really left out at Christmas time and they were feeling different yep. yeah, and exactly. so forth and so on. So what happened was the parents decided to mirror some of the characteristics. So they decided to go ahead with the gifts and they decided to go with the Hanukkah bush, which mirrors the Christmas tree. And, you know, uh, they, they did those things to make those kids feel more assimilated into our culture and not different and not sad and not outcast. And I think it's a, a darn good thing that they did. And I'm glad they did it. Yeah. Um, one interesting uh, fact here is uh, Harry Truman was the first president to celebrate Hanukkah at the white house. Mm-hmm. He accepted a gift, a menorah as a gift from prime minister of Israel. It was David Ben Gurion. That was 1951. So, you know, I think it's cool that Hanukkah and Christmas are right around the same time. We have all these other holidays. Uh, it's a really special time of the year. Um, Joe and I are going to um, highlight other 
uh, religious holidays before Christmas. Uh, closer to Christmas, we're probably going to do Christmas. Uh, but we plan on doing uh, probably Ramadan, Kwanzaa. So, you know, we just wanted to, because we said, we want to stay to our word. We said we were going to highlight um, other other holidays and other religions. Because this is not a podcast to promote Christianity. We're not trying to convert people. No. We're just speaking our minds about things in our lives and how we feel about certain things. And, you know, religion will come up sometimes. And we're comfortable talking about it without pontificating and, you know, preaching to people. Um, and I, I think Hanukkah is cool. I mean, I think the dreidel's cool. I think the eight gifts, the eight nights and the, the gift every day for eight. I was always thinking when I'm growing up because Hanukkah was always usually before Christmas. Not always, but um, usually starts before Christmas. And like, I'm like, man, they're getting a gift every day for eight days. That must be amazing. I, I have one day I got to wake up and there's a tree and I got to open, you know, they have, they have it nice and spread out where it's like, you know, a celebration every day. Um, you know, it's not all about the gifts, obviously that, that was a product of Christmas basically to kind of compete with Christmas so that Jewish children don't feel left out. But, you know, I thought, I thought we, you know, we should spotlight it and I'm not, happy we, we are sharing some stuff about it because people and, might not know, know all these facts about Hanukkah and the history, right? And, the temple uh, and rededicating it. And not only that, Sean, I just want to say that, um, you know, for all of us and, and look, I don't care what religion you are. If your religion makes you a better person, a kinder person, the kind of person that can look into the eyes of another human being and see another version of themselves, if you can feel that connected, fine. If your if your religion it, it just it, it makes you grow as a person and see the world as a, as a better place, and and what we we're talking about before altruism and all that stuff. Now here's the deal: um, anybody, anybody who claims to love Jesus Christ even a little bit. Right. Anybody who claims to love Jesus Christ even a little bit had better never say anything bad about Judaism. Why? Tell me why, Sean. I know you know the answer, but tell me. Well, because I mean, Jesus Christianity, Christ. Christianity is a product of Judaism. In history, exactly. You know? And Ju- and Jesus Christ was a what? He was Jewish. He was Jewish. and he, well, he was a rabbi. He was not only Jewish. He was a rabbi. So please don't ever say anything bad about the faith, about the religion of my Lord Jesus Christ, because that was his religion. You know what I'm, I'm I mean, this, I'm, 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 yeah. ta- this is something that gets, that gets swept away and we convenient, you know, that man with the sandals who walked in Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that man who walked in the sandals in Jerusalem was a Jewish rabbi. That man we call Jesus. Okay, that's all. I want. I just. I say that every time we talk about him, that you know, let's not lose sight of that. You know, it's very important. Yep. Time's yours. Um, So uh, we want to talk about like a pretty much a current event every episode um, because a lot of people don't have time to read the newspaper, watch the news, and. So listen to our podcast and, you know, it might be a cool thing to hear some current events, but hear our spin on it, hear our opinions on it. And uh, the thing that popped up on my newsfeed today uh, was the father of the accused Highland Park gunman charging connection with shooting. So the, there was a, uh, a man who obviously used an assault rifle and shot up a parade. You know, it was in, it was in Illinois at a parade. Um, but the question was, how did he get the gun? How did he, how did he get like an automatic rifle and just start killing people? 
at random and just, you know, well, his father, uh, Robert Cremo Jr., um, he's been charged with seven counts of reckless conduct. Basically, um, he he signed his son's application for a gun ownership permit, but he signed it knowing that his son had a series of concerning episodes um, and he still endorsed the application anyway. And that's, that's really the definition of reckless. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's like, how do you let, how do you, how do you endorse your son buying a, you know, not only a gun, but an automatic uh, rifle or whatever it was. And he killed seven people. Um, a family member had reported him cause, uh, he had a knife collection and he was, you know, he tried to kill himself. So he was suicidal. So it was a danger to himself and probably others. Uh, he pledged to kill everyone. His father knew about this. Um, and his, his father still, you know, endorsed his application for a gun and his son bought a gun and killed people. And I know the country's divided on gun laws. And if you're allowed to have a gun or not, if you, you know, right to bear arms because it's part of the constitution, but this is, there's situations like this, which are, you know, gun laws should be, because Illinois is not an easy state to get a gun. Um, so there's red flag measures. It allows the authorities to take weapons from people deemed dangerous. Um, and there's all these precautions in place, but the man's father endorsed them for the gun. And that's all he really needed to get that gun. And then he went and went out and killed people. Um, you know, it's just, it's heartbreaking. It's sad. But then I saw the story about his dad being charged and people don't think it's a slippery slope. They think, you know, if the parents of all these people commit violence, start getting charged with crimes, what's going to happen? Parents are going to start going to jail, you know, left and right. And there's going to be no real precedent. It's going to be all these, you know, this is going to set a bad precedent for the future. But if you actually think about it as a human being and as an American citizen, um, Say one of your family members or friends or loved ones or anyone was at that parade and they were shot to death by this by this person, this angry young man, uh, who, by the way, is pleading not guilty, which is like, you know, uh, I don't know. He killed people, obviously, but um, I don't know. I think it's justice that his dad, because his dad is literally a really key part in the crime. He would never have the gun. Maybe he would have found a way to get a gun, but he, he literally bought a gun legally because his dad endorsed his application for the gun. So, Joe, what are your what's your opinion on this? You know, I, I go back and forth in this all the time. I mean, I, it, you mentioned that this, you mentioned the Constitution, the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment was written, obviously, 250 years ago, and it was written for an entirely different purpose than what it is being manipulated into today. Okay. It's being, it's being twisted today and manipulated into something that it was never intended to be. I digress. I'm not going to get involved in that, but it would be interesting if you're listening here to go, to go look and look, look at the, the conditions under which the Second Amendment was written and what was meant by the right to bear arms. Our f- framers would look at this today and say, no, fellas, no way. Come on. Okay. But anyway, um, I go, I go, I go through this all the time and I'm thinking, even if they do, because my view, my view is if, Hey, if you really want a shotgun to go hunting or something, all right. And if you can prove that you're stable, you should probably be able to do it. But do you need an AK 47? What, what earthly purpose do you, they shouldn't even be around. That's a military weapon. And there's no way there is absolutely no way the forefathers would have even seen that coming. Right. Um, so, 
But here's the thing. Even if even if we're fortunate enough to pass laws to make them illegal, do you think these jokers who commit these crimes give a rat's ass about the legality of the purchase? These guys are getting ready to go mow down people in big numbers. They're off the wall. They need help mentally. Okay. And whether or not whether their purchase is legal or not doesn't mean anything. So um, if you go out, if someone goes out and does this and say, and he purchased it legally, so, okay, let's pass a law to make it illegal. They're going to get the gun anyway, somehow, some way they're going to get the gun. So, okay. So now it's illegal. They don't give a damn that it's illegal that they, pur- they purchased a gun illegally. They're going to go out and do something heinous anyway. The, the, the perpetration of what they're going to do is far worse than the purchase. So I, I just I think the only way to solve this is is to to make sure the weapons are not around to begin with. And I mean, like I said, and and I don't think you have to take shotguns away from uh, people who can prove that they're stable to go out for sport. If you want to call a sport, I don't know. But if you do and you want to go out hunting and so forth, I mean. That's fine, but I just, protecting, I just protecting your home, you know, protecting or something like that. But here's the thing with that father that, that, that I, I, my heart goes out to him because, um, he has a son. He loves his son, but he's probably also scared to death of a son. And that's got to be a hard thing to, to have where well, you love your son, but you're scared to death of him because you know, you have to live with this joker. And now he's talking about that. So you're going to try to acquiesce. What happens if that father says, no, I'm not taking you there. He'd have to sleep with one eye open. I mean, he, you know, so I, when you have to live with a character like this, it's got to be scary as all hell. I mean, so this father's in a predicament. Do I acquiesce and do I get the kid what he wants? If he, even though it's an AK-47 and a grenade launcher, he's promising me. It's you know. a lesson is a lesson for other fathers and parents out there that, you know, don't endure. If you think your kid's a threat, um, try to get them hospitalized and get them some help. Certainly don't endorse a gun application. Yeah. I mean, I mean, but you, I'm not, I'm saying I agree with you, but you can almost see, you can almost see that he maybe had a sit down with the kid and said, look, I'll get you this, but you go out into the woods and you'll shoot watermelons or you'll shoot bottles, but you'll promise me you won't. Because if that father says to that kid, hell no, I'm not getting you a gun. Guess what? Guess what he's got to worry about? He's got to worry about that because it's not, it's not a kid that says, okay, dad. It's a kid that says, bullshit. I'm going to kill you now, you know, and the father has to deal with this. And then you've got to live with someone like that. So, so it, it's, it's yeah, a tough why, why can't the father, if, the, if he feels that unsafe, the father can make a call to the police or, you know, the authorities, the, you know, because the, they already, they, the family was aware that he was dangerous. He had a knife collection and he was threatening to kill everybody. You know, they, they knew this already. That's true. So the, the father makes a couple of calls. He gets the kid looked at and taken away. What do you think is going to happen sooner or later? That kid's going to get out. You know, I mean, I, 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 I just think it's scary, Sean. I, I know what you're saying. And I, I think you're right. So do you think that the father deserves to be charged? I, I, 
He's getting it's charged just, with re- reckless conduct. You know, he's not getting charged with murder, but seven counts of reckless conduct. And it's certainly, yeah. you know, I was, in, I was in law school for a little bit in Brooklyn. Um, it certainly sounds reckless to me what he did. Okay. Reckless conduct. And, and I, yeah, I'm not saying he's innocent. I'm just trying to, 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 to at least shine a little bit of light to, to make people maybe understand how the father could have, you know, made the decision that he did yeah, because I, your perspective is awesome. Um, cause I, my, I'm like the attack, attack dog with my perspective. Cause I, I read this article, I'm sick to my stomach about like the killings, but then, but then I see there's some justice where the dad's going to be charged with some crime because I see all the details about how he obtained the gun and how his family knew of his history. And it was a danger to himself and others. And, uh, I'm like, yes, okay. Charge that dad. But I can see so many people out there, you know, especially certain political affiliations say, no, you can't do this. You can't charge the dad. You know, he, he's not the person who pulled the trigger and that sort of thing. But, you know, you enabled your son to go out and murder seven people, you know, at a parade. So this is true. And he was between, like I said, he was between a rock and a hard place. I'm sure he said to that kid, look, I'll get you this. If you promise me, you give me your word, you won't hurt anybody. You can shoot this thing off, but you go out way out in the woods or, you know, and you shoot it out in the quarry where there's nothing but rats. If you want to shoot out there at rats, because some people do that or shoot at bottles or shoot at this and that. But please, I'll get you this, but you got to promise me you'll use it the right way. Even, even like a, like a, you know, an AR 15 or whatever, an automatic weapon. Um, I'll get you this son, but please do this. And the son says, okay. You know, I won't. So the father's thinking, I'm not sure if he will, but I know one thing. If I tell this kid no, I'm liable to get, and I'm not, this is not hyperbole. The father's got to be thinking, I don't know what this kid is capable of. I love him. He's my son, but there's something not right. I could be sleeping tonight and he could cut my throat. Yeah. So that's, I'm just trying to put empathy, right? Put yourself in that father's shoes. Do you want to sleep at night? Would you lock that door at night? So, but do you think this is going to, do you think this is going to be good? Like in the sense that other parents are now going to be super cautious and way more uh, careful when, you know, endorsing their, their children to, to purchase dangerous, deadly weapons. Do you think it's going to prevent deaths in the future? As I think it is. I think it would. And I think, I think really what has to happen here, what this is really a commercial for Sean, if it were a commercial, it, it would be a commercial for proactiveness like we talked about before. Because I think what you have to do is you have to be proactive. You have to take that route where you have the police come in. You have people come in. You say, my boy, I love him. He's my son, but he's not right. He's got to be taken out of here. He's got to be He's got to be taken away until such a time that he is right. And when he's released, I pray to God that he is right. But I got to at least go that route. It's the most logical route. It may it may not always be perfect, but it's probably up. So, in other words, a very quick, proactive strike. My son's not right. He's capable of anything. I'm telling you, he's mentally ill, big time, and he's violent, and he's made threats. I need him. I need. I, it breaks my heart, but I need him out of here, and I need him to take be taken someplace, not for a month, and then let back out. I need. I need some help here. Yeah. So I, I being, think it, it's, it's proactive is usually proactiveness. Better. Yeah. Proactive is usually better than being reactive. Exactly. So I think that's the way to go. And if you're proactive and the kid gets out of the hospital and, prematurely and he's pissed off, Hey, you're right back where you started. Anyway, you don't really lose anything. You, you, you've got a kid that's unstable. That's liable to hurt you as a parent. So, you know, it, but, but there's a chance that 
we're, we're hoping that the kid gets in there and he gets the help he needs or medication and at least he's not violent anymore. Yeah. You know, so that's what you hope. So proactiveness is probably um, the way to go here. I think if, if we're selling anything here, that's probably what it is. Yeah. Um, so, so let's move on to some uh, more uh, positive uh, themes, I guess. And that would be sports. Um, so the World Cup final is Sunday. It's Argentina versus France. Lionel Messi is going for his, his first World Cup title ever. He's, he's widely considered um, one of the best players ever. Currently, even at even at his age, he's old. And you do look like him, by the way. I, I saw him the other day oh. for the first time. I'm saying that does look like Sean. I resemble. Okay, so I resemble yeah. because there's yeah. an article today about him possibly being the greatest male athlete ever. So if well, I you're not that, you look like him, but you're not that. <laughs> I, mean, I did. I did play some college soccer, so I, mean, yeah. I have. Yeah, you know, I have some soccer in, but yeah, no, it's, it's one of yeah, the, I, I got. I, I started getting that recently because usually I got Emilio Estevez. Uh, Never saw that. Up. So yeah. uh, Lionel Messi is a, a new one for me for sure. But um, yeah, so they're playing Sunday. It's a it's going to be a worldwide event. Obviously, the soccer is like the most popular sport in the world, I believe. Um, yes, I'm rooting for Argentina. I'd like to see because France won the last World Cup. You know, I'd like to see. It's not necessarily about Argentina winning. It's about seeing a legend like Messi finally getting because um, he's got the La Liga titles that he had with Barcelona. Um, he's got some of those club titles, but he doesn't have that. You know that sacred world cup title. There's only one world cup every four years. It's for your country. So it would mean a ton to him. I read a great article today about him. I'll talk about it a little bit more in the future, especially if he wins, if he wins Sunday and we do the podcast Monday, I really want to shine more of a light on Messi, but he is unbelievable. Um, they talk about him like he's a machine. Um, he has a software and hardware and the hardware is about muscles, joints, and physical traits. But the, the software is about brain perception, action, and decision-making. And his software gives him a head start on those who physically should have the better of him. Even at this age, he's able to start and stop on a dime, change directions. He walks more than any other player on the, on the field in the World Cup. But he's, when he's walking, he's not being lazy. He's conserving energy, but he's also studying what's going on in the field. He's studying everything that's happening, what the defenders are doing, what the opponents are doing, what his teammates are doing. So when he gets the ball... He has already, his mind is already made up when he gets the ball. He knows where he's going and knows what he's doing. He's thinking so fast. Um, his neural system is the third part of the equation. This is an excellent article in The Athletic that I read today. Is he better uh, than that other joker, uh, Ronaldo? Yeah, so Ronaldo's my guy because I'm a Manchester United fan, and mm-hmm. uh, he's a legend to me. Obviously, this season with Manchester United kind of went south, and he's not in the team anymore. They parted ways. Uh, Ronaldo was on Portugal. They didn't advance. Um, so he's not going to win his first World Cup. Uh, but Messi does a chance. Um, I didn't watch a ton of La Liga. I, you know, I know Ronaldo from Manchester United. Then he went to Real Madrid. Um, and it was always him versus Messi in La Liga. Ronaldo was on Real Madrid. Messi was on Barcelona. And it was like every year, those guys. And El Clasico, those teams play. It's called El Clasico. And Barcelona plays uh, Real Madrid. And Ronaldo's all, he's a, he's a, he's a freak, a physical freak. And he's a specimen and he's so laser focused psychologically. And he, he, he demands perfection, all the things that great players do. And he's got all this God given talent on top of his work ethic. Um, so I know more about Ronaldo, but the more I read about Messi and the more, cause I've always known he's amazing, but like this article today really just kind of put things into place for me in terms of, so Joe, to answer your question, I can't say if Messi's better, but they certainly are. They're, they're the GOAT. If you want to say there's two GOATs in soccer, because Pele was the original GOAT, uh, I would say Ronaldo and Messi are definitely this generation's GOAT. But um, 
So Messi has that software and hardware and his, 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 his uh, software is operating at such a high level, but then he has uh, his neural, his neural net, network, his neural systems, a third part of the equation. Um, it connects the software to the hardware. So everything that's happening in his mind is slower than it's happening for the rest of the world. So everyone thinks it's happening so fast, but in his mind, it's going slow. And we talked about Fishburne early in the matrix. There's a scene in the matrix where Neo's dodging bullets. Um, Messi's kind of like that in the soccer field. Um, he, uh, he's, he's amazing. Everything he's operating at such a high level. Well, we could say that about any elite athlete in any sport. No, but no, no, no. That's not, not, not when it comes to a super, super elite, like this guy, especially at his age, he's almost 40 years old and he's got these younger, more athletic guys and he's still performing at a peak level, even at this age. Um, yes, you could say that about high Tom Brady. Tom Brady's brain is like a for microprocessor sure. processes sure. things much for faster sure. than right. Okay, but, you know we're talking about Lionel Messi right now because the World Cup final is Sunday. But I know uh, this article really just goes into detail about how he operates and how you know because everything that he does in the field, he's he's stopping and starting. The defender doesn't know what he's doing. Like when he, the defender stops and then he already starts again. When the defender f- f- figures out he has to stop to try to stop Messi, but Messi's already gone. Mm-hmm. The only thing that he does is at a high level. So if even the non-soccer fans watching the World Cup is quite a spectacle. Um, it's a worldwide event. You know you're watching with millions of people. Um, it's it's uh, the game is Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern time. You know it's the gold medal World Cup game. Um, so that's that's soccer. Um, you know, I know it's a little bit early on Sunday for you, Joe, but um, you're focused on your Eagles, man. They're playing the Bears this Sunday. My question is, why are the Eagles only favored by nine points? And they're, you know, the Bears are like they have three wins. The Eagles are like the best team in football. Why are they? What do you think? Why are they only favored by nine points? Nine points. Well, you get three just for being a home team, right? So that's really like they're being, you know, they're, they're favored. They're playing, they're playing in Chicago. So, you know, yeah. right? So the Bears get like three. Um, just for being home. I they mean, if why would they get three? If the Eagles, the Eagles are favored by nine. If they were at home, they'd be favored by twelve. Okay, that's, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Um. Uh. So the, the nine points as a road as a road team to be favored by nine. That's pretty doggone big. But they're they're but they're way better than the the Bears though. I would think that at least they're way the better than the Bears. Hence, the nine points. is about right. I mean, how would you? How much would you think they should be favored by? Touchdowns at least. Two touchdowns at least. Yep. You show me a team that's been favored by fourteen this year. Uh, let me look. Let me look at the team. The the game. Okay, so the Chiefs are playing the Texans. The Chiefs are favored by fourteen points. Okay, well that's that. There's a little bit more of a disparity, right? Just a little bit more. Uh, well, I mean, the Texans almost beat the Cowboys last Sunday. You know, and the Cowboys, they're, 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 they're looking pretty bad lately, aren't they? I mean, they're, they're, I thought, they're you, were, I thought you were scared of the Cowboys. I mean, you're confident about the, 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 I told you I was, I, I was very concerned up to about three weeks ago. Then things started to unravel for them. They're, they're, they're messing around and they're scraping and crawling against bad teams. I mean, they should have lost that ball game last week. The Texans had the ball at the three-yard line and couldn't punch it in. If they do, the game's over. They were that close to losing to the Houston frickin' Texans at home. I mean, the Cowboys right now don't scare me at all, and I got news for you. They're going to get their asses beat by about 10 points by the Philadelphia Eagles on Christmas Eve. I'm, I'm confident in saying that. Now it's barring any major injury Sunday. Um but if nothing changes between now and then, and I'm I'm saying I'm glad I'm playing them now. Uh, I looked at the game where they were they were getting their asses beat the last time they either played the Eagles too, but at halftime. But what they did, they crawled back into it because they found a little crack and a weakness. That weakness isn't there anymore, 
And now you don't have the quarterback you had. You have a lesser quarterback than you had in last game because you got this Prescott guy as opposed to the guy that was playing quarterback in the last game. So your quarterback position is suffering. I, I, I don't, I don't, I, and I really, I, I'm, I'm not being facetious when I say that this Prescott guy's, he's, he's, if you really look at it, I um, mean, you told me someone you knew texted you and said, <laughs> well, <laughs> Dak sucks. <laughs> so, um, anyway, and I, I, I say that little tongue in cheek, a little bit ribbing you, but in all honesty, Sean, I think we're playing much better football right now. Now and they're going to get hyped up. They're going to get hyped up because this just, is their guys, Super Bowl. They got Philly. They got the Eagles coming in. This is going to be their Super Bowl. They're going to get all hyped up. So maybe they keep it. Maybe it is. But I, I do. I think it's. I think that we go in there and I think that we win by by a touch, maybe even ten points. But this week we're playing the Bears. We're playing in their place, and we're coming in as a road team as a nine point favorite. That's about right. I'm not insulted at all. I mean, that's a okay. pro football team over there too. And you know, they've had some close games too. They're not just a three win, you know. Um, so but you don't think, you don't think that if the chiefs and Eagles switch names um, and they had the same personnel. So say the Eagles were called the chiefs and the chiefs were playing the bears yet. It's still the Eagles, but the fact that it's the chiefs playing the bears. Well, I, I don't even but know what to do with that. I, I don't, you're, you're, you're that's, I can't, I don't even know. On? I can't go there. Yeah, I can't, I can't. It's That's been a long week I, at I work. Like the Eagles are not getting enough respect. I'm trying to defend the Eagles. I, and I appreciate that, but I also say I don't think you're giving the Bears enough respect because they played some games this year that were close. Um, there was a while there where everyone said, well, look out for this Bears team. They're turning it up because they, they showed they can play a little bit. And it's in their field. And you know what? They got the Eagles coming in. And here's the thing. Here's the real thing, too, and you and I the both. Bears lost to the Jets by 21 points. You know, the Eagles just had a game with the New York Giants, and they smacked the living daylights out of them. They beat the brakes off them, and then they have a game in two weeks with Dallas. What's this game in the middle usually called? Oh, um, um, starts with a T. Um, come on, it's a trap game. So that's why that's that's there too. Okay, and it happened. We you say they were, but it, it happens all the time. These guys are human beings. They had their division rival. They pimp slapped them. In two weeks, they got another division rival. Did Lawrence Did Lawrence Fishburne play a pimp in any movie? Because I feel like that was on your on your mind. A pimp, you know, I feel like he played a pimp in something. I don't. I don't. I don't remember him playing a pimp or anything like that. No. Um, he, he would play a good pimp. I mean, I feel like if he should have played a pimp or he needs to, but like I feel like uh, he, he, he could to... do that. He could do that. Like I said, he played a college professor. He played uh, Socrates, the guy Socrates, not the not the not the philosopher but a guy named socrates in the inner city like i told you about him um so he's got some range he could play anything but no um it's a trap game now all and albeit it's a trap game nine points when you're a team and you're going on the road and you're favored by nine points i don't care who you're playing that's a compliment yeah i mean Listen, I, I saw it. I see it a different way because I see. The, I know. I know you think the Texans are a lot worse than the Bears and all that. But uh, and let's just see the the Chiefs versus the yeah the Chiefs are they're playing away too. The Texans are at home versus the Chiefs and they're still uh, dogs by fourteen points. But you know whatever. But um, you hear about that? Micah Parsons made a comment about Jalen Hurts. It got blown out of proportion. It was all over uh, first take and all those shows. He's got to know better. Um, He's got to know better. But he did clarify it. He, he kid's said a he, good football player, sure, but he's a little he's punk not, ass. Not, not sure. He's not sure 
if Hertz deserves the MVP because the whole Eagles team as a whole is really good, especially their defense. Um, so <laughs> he said, he said they clipped a small, uh, this is what happens. They took a small sound bite and they made, blown it out of proportion. He said he, he thinks Hertz is doing great this year. He's, he's a defensive guy. Parsons is a d- defensive guy. He said the Eagles defense is the team to watch. Um, and he doesn't want all the offensive guys getting all the credit because he's a defensive guy. He, you know, he's got a lot of pride in defense. So, okay. you know, he didn't want to, you know, he didn't want to poke the bear and rattle all the snakes or whatever, you know, but you know, now the Eagles, he thinks the Eagles hate him. He's basically, he, he added fuel to the fire. So when they play on Christmas Eve, um, you know, Parsons is going to be the guy that Eagles fans are going to probably be focusing on their hate that game. Well, also in that game too, and this is huge. This is huge. Lane Johnson went out. Lane Johnson is the premier right tackle in the National Football League. And when Lane Johnson went out, that opened things up for Parsons. In the first half, Lane Johnson was saying, who are you? What's your name, kid? Whoop, whoop, he's handling him. Lane Johnson went out in the second half. Parsons got a little bit more of a, of a pass rush and so forth. And offensively, the Cowboys found a little crease that isn't there anymore in the running game. So um, that's all I'm saying. Um and I don't know. I saw an article today with your Cowboys that uh, um, they're going to – Jerry Jones said he's doing a sign. Uh, what's that joker's name? Uh, Bethel? Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. Which, which confused me because we signed T.Y. Hilton, the former Colts receiver. He was he's always a, he's good. He's played yeah. with injuries his whole career, but he's a hell of a talent. He is. Um, so we got T.Y. Hilton. I thought we were done with Beckham. But then Jerry Jones makes this statement, so maybe we will get Beckham too. And I don't know, Beckham, I don't know. He won a Super Bowl last year. He played a big part in the Rams Super Bowl. So um, if he didn't, you know. Oh, yeah. Once he got hurt in that game, uh, really changed everything. The Rams really, you know, they almost lost. But uh, I mean, yeah. So I'm excited for the World Cup. I'm excited for the Cowboys game. You're excited for the Eagles game. Okay. and and Because Villanova basketball is playing tomorrow on the whole. We call our game versus annual game. versus. Let me just say this, too. Before you move on, let me just say this about the Eagles-Cowboys in all sincerity. Anytime our clubs play, it's a good game. These guys know each other very well. It's a division game. There's there's mutual respect. Because it's on Christmas Eve, so we'll have a couple of episodes before that. We're going to talk about that. I'm going to wrap it up, though. And There's mutual respect. And, uh, I mean, I I kid with you and so forth, but it's going to be a good football game. We have respect for you. You respect us. I just think we're going to edge you out. We may not beat you by 10, but we're going to edge you out. You're you're on record on Sean Matthews' podcast uh, saying (laughs) that. So we we could pull that clip. You will. When the Cowboys beat those Eagles on Christmas Eve, we could pull that clip and have. I will stand up and say uh, I'm wearing my orthopedic shoes because I stand corrected. Yeah. Anyway, uh, tomorrow is the holy war between Villanova and St. Joe's. We play each other every season. Um, Both Catholic schools, but Villanova is Augustinian. St. Joe's is Jesuit. Um, But they call it the holy war. There's a lot of history there. Schools are right down the road from each other. Villanova, you know, we're expected to win pretty easily, especially because we have Cam Whitmore in the back. Ever since we got Cam Whitmore back, he's going to be a top five NBA pick next year if he's healthy. We've been playing great. Um, I think we win easily tomorrow. Um, it's at St. Joe's, but you know I'm excited for that game. Uh, as far as bad gambling beat, so I'm I'm kind of like a responsible gambler in the sense that I don't like losing money, but when I when I win, I have a nice big win because I won a couple bets on Argentina um, and then France. I had Mbappe. With a over one shot, over a point five shots on target, so we just needed one shot on target. 
Uh, if you don't know soccer that well, a shot, a shot on target means you, you shoot the ball and the goalie makes a save. If it hits the post, it doesn't count as a shot on target. I found that the hard way, you know, previous bets, but that's a shot on target. But um, so like I'm saying with gambling, I had a couple wins with, with the Argentina and France, and I, co- I took a couple days off. Um, I, I celebrate my wins. I remember what it's like to win. I don't get on tilt if I lose and try to get all my money back and try to get, you know, try to try to replace the loss, the bad feeling of a loss with a win, because that's what happens with gamblers. That's why there's gamblers anonymous. Um, so I've just kind of been relaxing a little bit the past couple of days on gambling, and I haven't really had a bad beat. Um, but, Good. Uh, you know, so I think we're going to wrap this episode up. Uh, it's been about an hour. Every episode has been about an hour. That's what we're trying to. That's our sweet spot is about an hour. Um, again, we're on Spotify, uh, Apple, TuneIn Radio, RSS.com. That's our feed. Um, and just another one of the books. Um, it's holiday season. We're excited. A lot of things going on with sports. A lot of celebrations going on with different religions and holidays. And I'm glad everyone's listening. You got any last words, Joe? I do. See the man with the lonely eyes. Oh, take his hand. You'll be surprised. Take care, everyone.